Hi, this is Ann Wilson, and you're listening to the Your Morning Coffee podcast with Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Weekly music news for the new music business. From Hypebot, six music business stories you missed over the holiday break. And from Rolling Stone, 2023's Music by the Numbers, Taylor Swift dominated, country boomed, and hip-hop sunk. And from Billboard, the 10 biggest music business deals of 2023. Well, Jay, it is our first episode of 2024. Happy New Year to everyone. Hope you are well. I am heading into 2024 with a cold. Hopefully it's only just a cold. (laughs) I'll be testing later on today. (laughs) But on that note, we are glad you're here. Jay and I are going to start the show right about now. Stand by for transmission. This is London calling. Wake up! The revolution is at hand! Your morning coffee is on the air. Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news for the new music business. It's the highly curated, agitated, advocated, moderated, and liberated digital music information that you need to know. We are your digital music authority. Now, from our studios in Hollywood, California, here's your hosts, Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Brother Jay, it's 2024. Happy New Year, my friend. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And love that intro from uh, Ann Wilson. Oh, yeah. And that song that you just heard part of, that's called Rain of Hell. Oh, such a great album. It's The album's called Another Door. And I had the pleasure this last week of seeing Hart uh, play at Yamava, uh, if you've never been there here in Southern California. Um, it was their first live show uh, as Heart in four years. It was pretty wow. cool. Wow, wow, wow. And they are still out. Well, I mean, this makes 
the fact that they were playing makes that they are still out there years and years and years they've been on the road boy it is remarkable when you look back on their careers and yeah. how impactful they have been how successful but also to see you know i remember seeing them on that first tour and <clears throat> how striking it was to see a band led by women kicking yeah. it just yeah. oh, absolutely yeah. killing it absolutely and next year marks their 50th anniversary as a band <laughs> if you oh, can believe that goodness. how cool wow. is that yeah, that is wonderful, 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 wonderful. So it's a good way to start the new year. For yeah. Uh, and boy, it's been a really good year for weekly U.S. vinyl album sales, which just surpassed two million for only the third time in the modern era. Isn't that it's crazy? Amazing. It's 2024 and we're talking about vinyl sales. Yeah, and uh, really strong vinyl sales. Um, there was a piece in Billboard that you and I were talking about uh, written by Keith Caulfield um, about this, and he, he mentions that in the week ending December 21st, there were over 2 million vinyl albums sold. It's the third largest week for vinyl sales since Luminate began tracking data back in 1991. Man, so U.S. vinyl album sales surged in the week. This is December 21st, ending t- December 21st, with 2.055 million copies sold. That's according to Luminate. That marks the largest week of 2023 for vinyl albums and the third largest week in the modern era since Luminate began electronically tracking sales back in 1991. Yeah, it was called uh, SoundScan back then, remember? Um, vinyl sales I got certainly. a boost uh, for that week of ending December 21st. Thanks to holiday shopping and sale pricing, promotions across retailers. The top selling album uh, in the week ending December 21st um, was Taylor Swift's 1989 Taylor's version with 57,000 copies sold. Uh, Taylor Swift had the uh, top four selling vinyl albums of the week and six of the top seven Midnight's Lover and Speak Now, Taylor's version, are numbers two through four, uh, while Folklore and Fearless, Taylor's version, uh, number six and seven. Jeez. In total, in the week ending December 21st, uh, Swift's vinyl album sales across all of her albums added up to, check this out, 194,000. That's 9.5% of all vinyl albums sold by all artists in the U.S. that week. Uh, wow. But there's actually one more week in Illuminate's tracking year for 2023, the week of December 22nd through 28th. Uh, as that week contains three shopping days before the Christmas Day holiday on the 23rd, there could be some sizable vinyl sales that come in before the close of the year. So, yeah. boy, oh boy, it still feels weird to be talking about vinyl. As we've said so many times, you and I were there when we were just shoving it out the door. We yeah. wanted to get done with it and and get those CD sales and cassette sales. And here we are talking about vinyl still. Yeah, I remember when I lived in the Bay Area, I would go over to Berkeley and they had this record store there right next door to Tower Records, as a matter of fact, called Leopold. And Mm -hmm. Leopold uh, was quietly owned by the warehouse company, um, but it was really Uh. run like an indie, um, independent buyers and promotions and um, just a a great team uh, that worked over there, uh, Karen and Roxanne, who ended up going to uh, Amoeba in Los Angeles. Anyway, ah. the uh, the basement of that store, they called the Vinyl Resting Place, <laughs> to illustrate your point. <laughs> and it was one of the last places you could go uh, to find uh, all that vinyl. Wow. I haven't thought about the warehouse for a long time. I used to call on Bob Bell when I worked at SST Records. Oh, sure. For, uh, for sales. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> That's going back. Yeah. Going back. Uh, Jay, also this week, <clears throat> excuse me, this is from the Guinness World Records, the top 10 music streaming services by number of tracks as of January 2023. And you and I were talking about this before we hit record, and it's like, wait, wait a minute, why are these so different? And yeah. we don't really know. <laughs> well, we knew that SoundCloud had more uh, yes, than most because sure. the barrier to entry is so low and it's a lot mm-hmm. of indie DIY and you and I could record something and get it up on SoundCloud right away. So they have 300 million tracks. But the thing that surprised you and I was that we frequently read in the press, oh, there's about 100 million tracks at most DSPs. And that's not really the case, is it? No, it's not. So again, taking out SoundCloud has 300 million tracks. So so moving that aside for a second, because that really should have an asterisk. Yeah. Uh, The number two is Napster with 110 million tracks. And then you go down to number three, Amazon Music. Well, that's a tie. That's, you know, Amazon, Apple and YouTube. Yes. But go ahead. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. So, so number three, Amazon and Apple and YouTube Music, uh, they're there with a hundred million. So, for some reason, uh, Napster has ten million more tracks than Amazon, Apple, and YouTube. We'll have to reach out to our friends over at Billboard and see if we can uh, figure out why that is. And then below that, um, there are you know four DSPs that have ninety million. Deezer, yeah. you know, based out of France. KK Box out of China. Um, Cobuzz, which is based out of France, and Tidal, they all have 90 million tracks. But talk about the one that really surprised us. Yeah, then there's Spotify, 80 million. So Spotify has 30 million less than Napster. And that's just, I just find that strange. Yeah, well, we will dig in and find out why. Um, Another thing we were talking about before we hit the uh, record button as we were uh, finishing our donuts and coffee, is um, NPR had this really cool piece on their website, uh, NPR In Memoriam. And there's a lot of these at the end of the year about all of the amazing people that we sadly lost in 2023. And it's it's staggering to look at the list. Um, In this NPR piece, there was more than 100 musicians that they list. And I mean, just a few of them, Tina Turner, Tony Bennett, Jeff Beck, David Crosby, Burt Bacharach, Dwight Twilley, Sinead O'Connor. And what I thought was really cool about this piece is you can click this audio button at the top of the page and it's uh, produced and narrated by Phil Harrell from NPR Morning Mm -hmm. Edition. And he talks about each person and then plays a little bit of their music. I thought that was really cool. It is. And like you said, it's just stunning when you see how many we lost and, and I'm, I'm sure you look at the, the same things I look at. It's it's kind of stunning, too, how many people were younger than us yeah. that, that didn't make it through 2023. And uh, I'm looking yeah. at, at Burt Bacharach's picture, too. And yeah. uh, we talked about that when he passed. And, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of, lot of artists and some w- that were quite young. Yeah, uh, it's absolutely it's heartbreaking. Um, it is. Another area, before we jump into the stories, um, there were a couple of things on Taylor Swift that you and I found really interesting. One is the New York Times Popcast, which is their podcast. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't listened to the New York Times Popcast, it is world class. It's so good. Um, I love listening it to it. And this last episode, um, it was Taylor Swift, Beyonce, and The Sphere, The Year in Live Music. And uh, as I was listening to it, I, I was 
learning things, but also um, just really getting a sense of what the experts are thinking about what's going on in the live space. So if you get a chance, check out that New York Times podcast. And then the thing you and I were talking about, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. There are now colleges that are offering courses, themed courses based on Taylor Swift. I know it's remarkable. If you happen to be at Harvard University, there's a class called Taylor Swift and Her World. Uh, if you're down in Austin at the University of Texas, they've got a class called the Ta the Taylor Swift Songbook. Uh, over at the University of Florida, they've got musical story storytelling with Taylor Swift and other iconic female artists. And uh, if you're up at UC Berkeley, there's a class called Artistry and Entrepreneurship, Taylor's Version. What a clever <laughs> twist on that. <laughs> but, you know, listen, universities are always... <clears throat> doing thought-provoking classes like that. And that's one of the fun things about being at a university, but uh, not surprising, you know, and, and I think when we talk about, we mentioned heart early on and how, how impactful that was for me as a teenager in yeah, high school me to too. see a female-driven band. Yeah. And now we're talking about Taylor Swift and all the remarkable milestones that she has hit with, with uh, in terms of business, in terms of her, her art and her music. It's just stunning. Oh, she's a force surprising. of nature. And, and what I love about it is there's so much to be learned. And they didn't have these courses when you and I were in college. And that's one of the reasons why I work so closely with college uh, music business programs. I think I learn as much from those kids as they learn uh, from me. Um, but there's some really great programs out there. You know, NYU is just killing it. You know, Hofstra, um, Colorado State, USC, UCLA. There's a lot of these. UC Denver. There's so many of these great music business programs uh, today that I wish I could kind of go back in time and be able to take these courses. You know, can you imagine if we could take a course now? It wouldn't have been Taylor Swift, but maybe it would have been on the Beatles or Queen or, you know, Bob Dylan. I don't know. It, I just love the fact that they have courses because there's a lot of great things you, could, you can learn from that. Well, and I think what's also interesting is that, you know, <clears throat> going back to our era of, of being when we were young, Jay, <laughs> when we were college age or even younger, uh, you, you did see a little bit of that in the major music market. So you might see something like in here in Southern California at UCLA. When I was in high school, my parents bought me a, a weekend class at UCLA in songwriting. And oh wow! Barry White was there, and um, oh, very cool. Oh, it was it was remarkable. But it began as through the College of Extension, so not super surprising. And maybe in New York and Nashville, you would have seen that. But so many of these courses now are really uh, re well represented throughout the U.S. And I'm sure it's the same way internationally as well. So it's really interesting to see that those opportunities. And you know, when we were in college, how great would it have been to take some of those classes? Because we were well into music by then. Yeah. Um, oh, but just very few of them existed. Yeah. And today they get into everything. For example, I'm, I was, uh, for the last few years, I've been on the, uh, the judging panel uh, with Terry Tompkins class at Hofstra University. And what they do, which is so amazing, is they actually have the students create a marketing plan for an artist without them knowing about it and I mean a comprehensive marketing plan. Mm. And then at the end of the term, they invite the artist uh, and or their management on and they go through the marketing plan with them. And it's it's really cool. So anyway, you can take some classes on uh, on Taylor Swift uh, if you're uh, 
if you're uh, so motivated. A um, couple of housekeeping <laughs> things really quickly, and then we will uh, jump into the stories. Um, the 2024 Grammy final round voting closes on January 4th. So if you are a voting member of the Academy, make sure that you get that done. They have a, a mobile app this year um, to make it easier. Um, so don't forget that. <clears throat> and then the last thing really quickly is uh, um, we recorded that episode with Bobby Osinski. Um, it's ready to go. It's going to drop in a few days. And uh, I'm super excited about that because there's you and I talk about artificial intelligence. And I don't know anybody in the industry that knows artificial intelligence as it relates to music, recording, mixing, producing, marketing, better uh, than our friend Bobby Osinski. So I'm, I'm really uh, happy that we're going to be dropping that pretty soon. Yes. And again, talking about his book, The Musician's Guide to AI, what a wonderful pu publication. So worthwhile to have uh, sitting around the house and as a reference and to get it kind of up to date on what's out there and what works, what doesn't work. And kind of, uh, it, it quells your fears, shall we say. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, we also, uh, as we head into 2024, we got to thank our sponsors, Jay, because we are so fortunate to have wonderful sponsors, including Banzoogle, uh, built by musicians for musicians. Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in. Hosting and a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, Templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Your Morning Coffee podcast listeners can jump over to bandzoogle.com and try it free for 30 days. Just use the promo code MORNINGCOFFEE, which is all one word, to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com, promo code Morning Coffee. Yeah, and we'd like to thank HypeBot. Uh, since 2004, HypeBot has chronicled the new music business and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. It's edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton with help from Alana Bonilla. HypeBot and sister blog Music Think Tank are published by live music discovery and marketing platform Bands in Town. You betcha. Bands in Town, over 80 million live music fans trust Bands in Town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. It's the number one artist service platform connecting over 590,000 artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms. Yeah, and finally, the Music Business Association, they host an annual slate of in-person and virtual events. Uh, so the music industry, you know, across the globe can come together, discuss hot button issues and support the growth of the entire music business community. So you should join us uh, for the Music Biz 2024 conference, May 13th through the 16th at the JW Marriott in Nashville, Tennessee. We'll see you there. Indeed. Uh, big thanks to Banzoogle, Hypebot, Bands in Town, and the Music Business Association. Certainly Jay and I could not do it without their help. And speaking of Jay, if you don't know Jay, he's a music industry consultant. He's the curator of the weekly Your Morning Coffee newsletter and a former executive with Universal Music, Sony Music, and Warner Music Groups. And he is the dean of the University of Musical Perversity. <laughs> and this guy across from me, Mike Etchard, is a longtime host of Sound and Vision Radio, formerly of SST Records, Warner Music, Capital EMI, and Universal Music Group. 
and probably one of the hippest guys you'll ever meet. And I look forward to doing this show every single time we do it. And I can't believe this is episode 177. <laughs> We've been doing a few of these, man. We've been doing a few. And that's not counting the special episodes. No, right? there's, that's probably another yeah. five or six right there. Yeah, exactly. Well, and we certainly appreciate everyone listening in sure because we, we sure, we sure enjoy it. Well, let's jump into the stories, Jay. The first one is from Hypebot, six music business stories you missed over the holiday break. Yeah. Why don't you uh, kick it off? This is from our friend Bruce Houghton over at Hypebot. Uh, yeah. So how about this? Uh, this is really interesting. So uh, the first story is France plans to tax music streaming and other countries are taking note. This was actually from our friend Bobby Osinski for Hypebot. Uh, it says music streaming platforms, especially uh, Spotify and Deezer, are in an uproar over France's proposal for a new music streaming tax. This could be a precursor for other countries to do the same, but could also backfire on the French government. Uh, the proposal calls for a 1.75% tax on music streaming, which doesn't sound like much at first. Mm. Uh, the problem is that streaming is a very low margin business as companies already pay 70% of their revenue to music rights holders, of course, a 20% VAT, a 3% tax on digital services, and a 5% tax on video services. When you're living on a 7% margin, most of which is already taken up by operating costs, that doesn't leave much room for an additional tax. But you and I were also talking before the break, and, and I was looking at those that, that 7% profit margin, and when you look at, at least here in the States, grocery stores, those guys operate on like somewhere between 2 and 5% profit margin. So, yeah. you know, I don't know what to think about what's what's good, what's bad. You know, it seems like if you're making 7%, that should be decent considering you don't own any of the content, but yeah. I especially know, if people are up in arms consistent uh, across the board. The uh, number two music story you may have missed over the holiday break vinyl trades call billboards, December 29th, indie chart change and abdication of responsibility. Um, data provider uh, illuminate plans to shift from a modeled methodology methodology, which takes sales from a sampling of stores and applies weighting to calculate total sales. We've been talking about this a lot lately um, to a direct representation of sales reported by us and Canadian indie retailers. The indie music community argued that the change would collapse indie store sales figures since only 5% or 72 of the estimated 1400 indie stores actually report physical sales. Luminate counters that reporting from these stores are an estimated 72 out of 1400 represents as much as 93% of all U.S. and Canadian sales. The Vinyl Records Manufacturers Association, VRMA, and the Vinyl Alliance renewed their call for Luminate to delay the change, all right, just to pump the brakes until they get more of those stores uh, online. Yeah. The third story you might have missed over the holiday break is Hypnosis Songs Fund reports asset value down 9.2% and cautions investors. This was from Variety. In a statement to Variety on Thursday, Hypnosis Song Management said further to the statement of Hypnosis Song Funds, Songs Fund, that's referred to as the company. Earlier this morning, Hypnosis Songs Management has fulfilled its duties to the company with respect to both the independent valuation and preparation of the interim results in a timely and efficient manner, notwithstanding the decision of the company's board to delay publication 
of the interim financial statements, the investment advisor will continue to work in a constructive manner to support the interests of the company and its shareholders. What's interesting is an analysis by Music Business Worldwide put a sunnier spin on the results, saying they actually reflect a strong underlying performance from the firm's catalog, noting that it's like that its like-for-like like net revenue grew by 14% year-over-year to $65.8 million, up from $57.6 million in the equivalent prior year period. However, it notes, this calculation omits any impact from the U.S. Copyright Royalty Board's decision to raise royalty rates for music publishers in the U.S. across the years 2018 to 2022, which clobbered the fund's revenue and caused the cancellation of dividend payments to its investors in October. So that pesky... uh, uh, calculation there, and uh, it's it's interesting to see how that um, the copyright royalty boards uh, raising royalty rates again for music publishers not surprising that's going to cut into profits. Yeah, and number four was Midia's shared highlights of its state of the music creator economy report, and you and I covered this on the podcast. Midia has released its annual current state of the music creator economy report, the definitive assessment of the music creator tools industry. And here are some of the highlights. Um, you know, perhaps the clearest sign that the music creator space continues to grow at pace despite lackluster results from some key companies is that the number of creators grew by 12% to reach 76 million, with the number of those who upload their music growing by more than double that rate. Uh, interesting, um, the, the number of artists who self-released into the traditional streaming supply chain grew at half that rate. Uh, a forking of the music business is taking place before our very eyes with the streaming ecosystem playing the traditional establishment and social apps and new platforms like BandLab reporting a new future-facing creator-centered ecosystem. Interesting, yeah. Uh, number five is a company called Prism adds $5 million for venue, promoter, and booking agency software. I'd not heard of them before this this uh, this piece here. Prism is a U.S.-based startup building software used by venues, promoters, and booking agencies, and it's completed a $5 million Series B funding fundraising round. Uh, Prism F, Prism.fm software is designed to help facilitate live music booking and settlement with show and artist calendar management, deal and payment tracking, and financial reporting. The company says that 10,000 venues have used Prism. Very interesting. Yeah, and the number six story that you may have missed over the holiday break, Bridgeport Music is the first to audit MLC um, royalty payments. And this is uh, according to our friend Chris Castle. Um, The U.S. Copyright Audit has published the first audit notice of the MLC since the licensing board's inception. Um, It's form, uh, Bridgeport Music, and uh, here are some of the details that Chris Castle points out. After much hoopla, the lobbyists wrote an audit right for copyright owners into the Music Modernization Act. However, rather than permitting copyright owners to audit music users as long-standing common practice, you know, on the record side, the lobbyists decided to allow copyright owners to audit the Mechanical Licensing Collective, the MLC, at the expense of the copyright owner, of course, no matter how many mistakes the copyright owner discovered or how big the underpayment this is consistent with the desire of services to distance themselves from those pesky songwriters by inserting the MLC in between the services 
and their ultimate vendors, the songwriters and copyright owners. The services can be audited by the MLC, whose salaries are paid by the services, but that hasn't happened yet, uh, at least to Chris's knowledge. Right. Interestingly, so Bridgeport Music, I believe, represents the um, uh, uh, Funkadelic uh, catalogs. So interesting. So I don't know. A lot of things that kind of happened were bubbling under while we were all hanging out and not going to work. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that was a nice business. piece by uh, by Bruce, kind of uh, uh, coordinating and uh, you know putting all those things together uh, that you may have missed uh, over the holiday break. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Excuse me. So our our second story, Jay, is from Rolling Stone. 2023's music by the numbers. Taylor Swift dominated. Country boomed, and hip hop sunk yeah this is by ethan millman over at rolling stone really interesting piece you know he, he kicks it off by saying let's get this out of the way taylor swift dominated the year in music and it wasn't even close uh, four-year-old songs of hers topped the charts she sold physical albums at a head spinning rate you and i just talked about that on the vinyl side her era's tour was an economic stimulus in every city she played and reignited conversations around the deeply broken ticketing marketplace as fans scrambled to purchase tickets her relationship with Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey created a frenzy around the you know celebrity simply attending NFL games, and she also released some damn great music. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, you, you, we tend to think that the that that basically all these rocket rocket high numbers are uh, simply because of Taylor Swift, but it's interesting to note that in fact. Just live music was just killing it this year. Unbelievable yeah. how much money was being spent and made in live music. Yeah, and if you if you listen to that um, New York Times podcast I was telling you about, they mention that uh, touring went from six billion in twenty twenty two to nine billion in twenty twenty three, and even if you took Taylor Swift out of the mix, it was still uh, an increase year over year. Well, and we've talked about this a number of times. You still have to kind of really keep it in mind that when she releases all of these Taylor version releases too, that that of course you know were were basically around the the era's tour. Uh, how unique this is in the history of the music business. Re-records always have existed, uh, but it was just this kind of dirty little secret over there in the corner. And, you know, they they made some money, and a lot of times you would see artists re-recording their hit songs, let's mm -hmm. say for commercials or things like that. But to kind of really redo all of your albums and re-record them and then release them and have the not only the success, but just the profile... It's just unheard of. Yeah, and the fans were, you know, they went along on the ride. Like, it wasn't yes. something that was quietly done, as some bands do re-records for sync licensing or, you know, kind of quietly in the background they'll do. This mm -hmm. was right in front of everybody. She was very, you know... Um, upfront about it. Yeah, very upfront about it, very uh, transparent. And uh, the fans got behind it, and it, it's been a beast. Yeah. Uh, another big one here. Country's streaming revolution is finally here. Country music boomed in 2023 thanks to two very distinct trends. On one end, culture war songs like Jason Aldean's Try That in a Small Town and Oliver Anthony's Richmond North of Richmond hit the top of the Billboard Hot 100 when fans, many of them right wing, bought the songs in droves on the iTunes chart. While digital song sales make up a tiny percentage of all song consumption today, they play an outsized role in driving tracks up the charts. 
since a sale is worth considerably more than a stream when it comes to chart weighting metrics. Yeah, well, let's let's put a fine point on that. You just said iTunes chart, and we're talking about sales being worth more than streaming. And that's something that these country artists did this last year that you and I have been talking about, which is some of them had massive uh, download sales, yes. which is such an anomaly, you know, and, and he points out in this article, anomalies like Aldine and Anthony serve as more of a distraction from what actually happened in the country music business this year. Um, the country music's landmark 2023 was driven by much more than just a major surge in streaming, thanks to heavy hitters, including Morgan Wallen, Luke Combs, Jelly Roll, Bailey Zimmerman, and the juggernaut that is Zach Bryan. But as you and I look at those numbers, yeah, there's some massive streaming numbers, but there's also some massive vinyl numbers. And surprisingly, yeah. more so than any other genre, the download we thought downloads were gone right. but they i know it they were Remarkable. a major part of some of these hits well and you have talked and we we both kind of mentioned this back in 1991 when we when soundscan came into play um, one of the big surprises to many although not folks like you that worked in a record store was that country was really in the old system uh, being kind of relegated off to the side and once you got those concrete numbers when soundscan hit you saw exactly how big of a juggernaut country was in yeah. terms of sales. Yeah, and, and this is really just kind of replaying the same story. Exactly. And it's, especially this last year, has just been massive for country music. So last year, five country albums on Luminate's Top 200 had over a billion streams, five of them. This year, nine surpassed that figure. Uh, the streaming bump is expected, you know, it's grown country's representation over the year. And and those charts, you know, rising over 30% from 25 uh, to 25 from 19 the prior year. So it's been quite a year uh, for country music. Yeah, country's representation on the year-end Hot 100 singles chart exploded as well. While there were just nine country songs on the list back in 2018, the number has steadily increased over the past five years and reached a whopping 30 in 2023. Of course, we talked about Wallen's Last Night, one of the course the top songs in the country, topping the Hot 100 for 16 non-consecutive weeks. Uh, but then this one was a, was a surprise. The cover of Tracy Chapman's uh, fa hit Fast Car also yeah. finished in the top 10 at number eight. With And I, I read an article about Tracy Chapman, how she was is enjoying a... Mm -hmm. A revenue stream this year that she hasn't had for some time. <laughs> it's such a great song. And who would have thought that that would be, you know, interpreted that way. And it just works. It sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. And the next part, it says that in a year without BTS, K-pop is still topping the charts. And I know that surprised a lot of uh, people. It's not just this flash in the pan trend. It's, it's a big deal. K-pop took a significant blow coming into 2023 when BTS, the genre's biggest act, they officially confirmed that they would go on hiatus so the group's members could fulfill mandatory military duty. Some of the genre's most influential executives worry about K-pop as a whole losing Steam, you know, quote, that is my major concern. In fact, looking at our export indicators and streaming growth, the slowdown in growth is very clear. And that was from Hybe's chairman. 
Right. But at least from a chart perspective, the genre's representation actually improved in 2023. Check this out. Five albums from four different groups, none of whom were BTS, top Billboard's weekly albums chart in 2023, with Stray Kids topping the chart twice with the albums Five Star and Rockstar. Tomorrow's Together topped the chart back in February with the ninth with the name chapter Temptation. Uh, New Jeans went number one in August and Get Up with uh, and Al ATs got their first chart topping this uh, this month with the World EP Finn Will. Yeah, again, these are artists acts that I've really never heard of, and <laughs> it's remarkable that they are incredibly successful. And just not something I pay attention to. No, I get chugging. it. Yeah, and, and I see them on the charts. And the other thing that I see a lot on the charts are these Latin artists. And, you know, Bruno Del Granado tells us about this all the time. Latin mm-hmm. stars power keeps on growing. The number of Latin albums in the top 200 on Luminate doubled from last year, up from 12, up to 12, uh, from six a year ago. The increase was driven most uh, apparently by the rapid rise of regional Mexican music, this year, right? You know, while Bad Bunny had four of the six Latin albums on the chart last year, albums from nine different artists, six of them regional Mexican acts, made it in 2023, reflecting that more Latin artists are reaching mass audiences. Yes, indeed. Still, Bad Bunny remained by far the top performing Latin act as Un Verano Sin uh, T landed at 10. It was also Spotify's most streamed album in the world. Uh, but Bad Bunny has had his three-year reign as the world's most streamed artist come to an end when our good friend Taylor Swift dethroned him. But boy, still very, very dominant. And yeah. Very impressive. Yeah, and I think one of the surprises is um, hip-hop's chart dominance slipped in 2023. And you and I talked about this after um, I attended this masterclass from um, Hit Songs Deconstructed. Mm-hmm. And it was so amazing. And there were a lot of things that I learned. And one of them was the trend of hip-hop, which was declining as things like K-pop, Latin music, you know, some of these things were on the rise with artists like Ice Spice, Sexy Red and Central C. Rap has a promising future of bubbling stars poised to push the genre forward. But at least from a charts perspective, 2023 represented a dip for hip hop. Yeah, it says the trend was more noticeable within the top 25, where rap made up just four albums compared to nine a year ago. This year, Travis Scott's Utopia was the biggest hip-hop album and took seventh. Metro Boomin's Heroes and Villains came in at ninth. Drake and 21 Savages' Her Loss took 13th, and Drake's Solo for All the Dogs came in one spot below at 14. Yeah, this is sort of a, a year in review. Again, this is from Ethan Millman um, over at Rolling Stone. Uh, basically taking a look at uh, the trends of 2023. Nicely done, Ethan. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And our last story, Jay, is from uh, Billboard, the 10 biggest music business deals of 2023. Yeah, this is from the ledger from our uh, our good friend Glenn Peoples over at Billboard. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, the 10 biggest music deals of 2023. The year saw K-pop companies making mega moves on a global scale, while the catalog market 
still remained hot. You know, we, we touched on that in the last couple of weeks that, you know, it's, it's not what, what people think it is. K-pop's growth has reshaped the music business and given financial fuel to ambitious companies with global ambitions, right? In 2023, this trend was made evident by how many times Korean companies were involved in music's biggest deals. And we'll go into a couple of those in a minute. In each of the last three years, HYBE has acquired or invested in a company to help it diversify beyond K-pop and its tentpole artists we just discussed, BTS. Right. So check this out. In 2023, HYBE paid $300 million for hip-hop label and management firm Quality Control, $114 million for the remaining 51.5% uh, stake in uh, B-Lift Labs, home of the K-pop boy band uh, N-Hypen, and an undisclosed amount for Latin music company Exile Music Group. Uh, after raising $822 million in 2020, in a 2020 uh, initial public offering, Hyde paid uh, a little over a billion dollars for Ithaca Holdings in 2021, which delivered country music company Big Machine Label Group, and $36 million for a majority stake in AI voice company Supertone in 2022. It also paid about $63 million for a minority stake in competitor YG Entertainment in 2021. Yeah. We are talking some big money here. Yeah, but Hybe didn't have the year's biggest deal, though. That honor, you know, topping Billboard's ranking of the top 10 music business deals of 2023, went to Cacao, which paid about a billion dollars for 40% stake in SM Entertainment, home of such acts as Girls' Generation, Super Junior, and Red Velvet. Hybe also made the list for its purchase of 14.8% stake in SM Entertainment, which shrank to 8.8% after the company sold a portion of its shares to Cacao and ended its dramatic effort to take control of SM Entertainment's board of directors. Uh, other K-pop companies are investing too, even if they were not transactions that made the list. In August, SM Entertainment and Kakao la launched a joint venture in North America. And in uh, November, former SM Entertainment CEO Samin Han launched a new U.S.-based K-pop company, Titan Content, which will employ traditional K-pop training and artist development with Web3 and Metaverse innovation. Oh, boy. The company said in a statement. Uh, elsewhere on the list, the catalog acquisition uh, market has stayed hot with deals by Concord, Katy Perry, and Justin Bieber, all generating hundreds of millions of dollars. All right, so let's, let's run down the top 10 uh, music business deals of 2023, according to uh, Glenn Peoples. Uh, with the Ledger uh, newsletter. You should sub subscribe to it if you don't already uh, over at Billboard. So here they are. Number one, Cacao acquires $1 billion stake in SM Entertainment. Number two, Concord's $500 million asset-backed security with Apollo. Number three, Concord again acquires Roundhill Music Royalty Fund for $469 million. Number four, Hybe acquires a 15% stake in SM Entertainment for $334 million. And number five, Hybe acquires quality control for $300 million. Whoa. Uh, number six is Katy Perry Catalog sells to Litmus Music for $225 million. And number seven is Dr. Dre sells assets to Universal Music Group and Shamrock Capital for $200 million. Number eight, Justin Bieber catalog sells to Hypnosis Songs Capital for $200 million. Number nine, Hybe acquires remaining stake in B-Lift Lab for $114 million. 
And number 10, Warner Music Group buys a majority stake in 10K projects for $102 million. That's a lot of money. Those are some a lot of money going around. Numbers. Indeed, 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 indeed. Well, Jay, on that note, it's time to wrap up the show. We want to wish everyone a happy new year. And hopefully, yes, uh, sir. your new year will be uh, filled with prosperity and good health. Uh, we also want to thank our sponsors. Big thanks to Banzugo, Hypebot, Bands in Town, and the Music Business Association. Boy, we certainly appreciate yes, sir. their help and participation. And on behalf of my good friend Jay Gilbert, I am Mike Atchart, and I say thanks for listening. We will be back next week on the Your Morning Coffee Podcast. You've been listening to Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news program for the new music business. Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.